the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As I said, our gospel reading was the first half of our sermon text for today. The second half of that is the explanation of that parable. In verse 36, it says, Jesus left the crowd then and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And he answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. And the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the harvester are angels. And as the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and They will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the burning furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of the Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. They're Christian friends. In our nation in the past months, you probably heard a a lot of discussion of phrases like, real news, and fake news. And it's been pointed to a a number of responsible sources about those things. But I'm not going to go there today. Instead, I want to take you back, all the way back to 1964. And uh, there was a commercial ad concerning real hair color and fake hair color. Miss Clara was the, uh, the dye. And uh, the, the famous question was, does she or doesn't she? And the answer was, only her hairdresser knows for sure. And then 10 years later, we were looking at a, a commercial and wondering if it was Ella Fitzgerald or if it was a recording that was able to shatter a, a glass, a crystal glass with a, a very high-pitched note. And the question was, is it live or is it Memorex? And uh, for those uh, children and teenagers here, this is called a tape cassette. Uh, Don't put it in your CD player or in your USB port, and it won't work. But uh, these were very popular at one time. Well, we know that things haven't changed even recently. In fact, uh, the Parmesan cheese that you're putting on your pizza uh, might not be cheese, or at least not all of it. There's some cheese factories like Cheese Castle Incorporated that were busted in recent years for marketing 100% grated cheese. But they were, in fact, adding filler to the cheese, the bulk of which is a product called cellulose. cellulose excuse me. As a result, Kraft Foods, you know, they tried to reassure their customers, so on their labels they would put 100% real grated Parmesan, no fillers, because things were just getting bad. By the way, cellulose can also be put into things like paper products and some other industrial things. But we know that it's sometimes hard to tell 
the real from the fake. In our gospel reading that we have from Matthew, Jesus reminds us that uh, discerning from the real and the phony about those two different things, it's a problem when it's people that we're talking about. And it takes an expert to be able to discern. In our world today, we do have a number of expert groups, for example, that we can have that can discern from many different things. Along with Cheese Castle Incorporated, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, they recently busted another cheese manufacturer in Pennsylvania for marketing its product as 100% real Parmesan when it actually contained no Parmesan at all. In reality, the customers were putting a mixture, they were getting a, a mixture as they were sprinkling their stuff on of imitation cheeses and trimmings. Cheaper cheeses like Swiss and white cheddar, Havarti and mozzarella on their pastas. Now, to be fair, a lot of cheese manufacturers do use cellulose in their Parmesan because it acts effectively to keep the cheese from clumping as we try to shake it out. And it's usually about 2 to 4%. But groups like Castle Cheese and other corner-cutting manufacturers, they were using much more, even as much as 8%. And that's way too much filler. Now, this isn't the first time that we've personally been potentially having harmful and misleading types of ingredients mixed in with the real things. You know, that extra virgin oil? Well, it's often mixed with not-so-virgin olive oil, too. Tea might contain lawn grass clippings or chopped-up fern leaves. Now, the FDA is constantly, you know, looking for manufacturers who cut corners. And it, it does so because they want to make sure that the food's have what are on those labels, no more and no less. Sometimes it takes an expert to tell the difference between what's real and what's fake. Now, cheesemaking was a a, a big deal in Jesus' day. In one of the writings of the Jewish historian Josephus, he names a, a ravine which is between Mount Moriah there in the center and Mount Zion in Jerusalem. That ravine is called Tyropoan which means the valley of the cheesemakers. But Jesus didn't tell any parables in the Bible about cheese, did he? Well, it was probably because none of those cheesemakers ever thought about adding filler to their product. It was the real thing. However, the problem of contamination by an alien type of ingredient, a foreign ingredient, could not be more serious than the threat it posed to a daily staple of a person's diet. Now, along with having water and fish, we know that there was the daily bread. And worse, you know, wheat was one of the staples which was the most susceptible. And to mess around with wheat was a very serious business at that time. When Jesus wanted to illustrate the difficulty of separating those who would be part of the kingdom apart from those who are not, you know, he turned to the wheat fields where the difference between real and fake was very subtle. And it took an expert to discern at the harvest, as he says in that parable. Jesus sets the parable, perhaps on what would be a, a large commercial type of farm, where wheat was the cash crop. And it was common at that time for rival owners of land 
to mess with the neighbors so that they could have the crop that would have the most profit. And it was a problem that was so common enough that the Roman law specifically had forbidden the sowing of poisonous plants in another person's field. The poisonous plant in question here is called darnel. In the Bible, we hear it often as tares or weeds. And it's a kind of ryegrass that looks like wheat in the very early stages, and it can only be distinguished from wheat when the heads appear on the stalk. Now, slaves and the, the field workers, they often did their weeding early in the spring. And that was before the roots of that darnel became intertwined with the wheat. But the story that Jesus tells in verse 25 is that a rival enemy sneaks into the fields while everyone is sleeping. And they end up sowing these weeds among the wheat. And by the time anyone realized what had happened, the fake wheat, it's already become entangled with the good stuff. And that could lead to disaster for the crop. And it could damage the reputation of that landowner, too. Now, so much of that fake crop was present that the the slaves were really amazed at its growth and they wondered where it came from. And the landowner knew that this invasion of harmful weeds didn't happen by accident. An enemy did this, he replies. Now, the landowner's staff, you know, they volunteered to weed out the, the... counterfeit by the root, perhaps thinking of themselves as a primitive form of the Food and Drug Administration or the FDA. But the farmer, he understood that that would do more harm than good. And so the real wheat could be damaged given the intertwined nature of the roots. And it would be better to wait for the harvest, he said, when the real experts, the reapers, that they could separate the wheat from the weeds. Actually, it would be fairly easy for those reapers at that point at the harvest to tell the difference because darnel does not grow as high as wheat. So what they would do is they would cut off the wheat right below the heads and then gather that, put it into the barns. But then they would also cut the darnel afterwards because in those places, wood was scarce. And so they would bundle up that darnel and they would use it as fuel for the fire so that when they would bake the bread of the good stuff, they had something to provide for that. So even that bad stuff had a purpose. But why does Jesus tell this story? His parable, of course, comes in the midst of a rapid-fire series of parables that speak about the kingdom of God, because he'll start out, the kingdom of God is like. And there's only two of them, those parables, the parable of the sower, which is at the beginning of chapter 13, and the parable of all the wheat and the weeds, that they are, actually have explanations. And in both of those cases, the explanation is told only to the disciples, not to the crowds as he was speaking to them. And it's only after the disciples ask Jesus for an explanation. In the case of the wheat and the weeds, Jesus gives them an explanation, and he gives it to them in private, in a house. And we might imagine their confusion. They're probably thinking, well, why should we wait to uproot the the evil from among us if we have the chance with the crops? And why shouldn't we get rid of those harmful ingredients so that our daily ration of that bread of life that we have for our sustenance, that it might be pure? 
Well, it's tempting for many in Jesus' day to take one of two approaches of the evil in their midst as well. On the one hand, there are those who are called the Essenes. And they went out into the desert. Um, they, they left the city. And they went out into to the desert to separate themselves from the culture and instead set up what would be a pure faith community. I once visited their community location near the Dead Sea when we got to see the excavated part of it. And it's right next to Qumran, where the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls took place back in 1947. Now, on the other hand, there are those who are like those Pharisees who remained in Jerusalem, the ones who saw it as their job to pluck evil by the root by pointing out those individuals who were obviously violating God's law, and the Pharisees' job was to assign them to that fire of judgment of God's wrath. Well, these approaches are still tempting for disciples of Jesus today. You know, we live in what's called a, a post-Christian age. And many Christians want to separate themselves from a culture that's increasingly secular and even hostile to those who follow Jesus Christ. They'd rather maintain a pure crop. So they, in a sense, wall off a field. And they watch for intruders who want to sow bad seeds among the faithful wheat. And they think that it would be better to create their own culture rather than be corrupted by the evil around them. On the other hand, there are those Christians who have taken the role of judge and jury, pointing out the evil in others and and rooting it out perhaps even in public before other people. Both approaches are destructive, however. You know, communities that try to wall themselves off from the field, from their field, from other places, they eventually become weak in their mission. Even churches can become like that, a congregation, for example, and they just aren't sustainable. The weeds will still infiltrate that place, and the sinful nature of humanity is really hard to keep away at a distance. The Essenes, that community in the, the Dead Sea area, they eventually died out. And we've seen many other types of sects who have done that as well. The Pharisees' approach is equally destructive, however. You know, it can damage the good seed while rooting out the bad. And many people have been harmed by well-meaning Christians who have been on a moral crusade, who have led with judgment rather than leading with God's grace. And what we might see as a tendency toward evil on another person there might actually be an opportunity to have God's grace really work on them and change them for the good. You know, if we judge and assign people to the fire before the harvest comes, that obviously does more harm than good too. Judging people is something that God does really well. The point of the parable seems to be that it takes an expert to be able to distinguish between the real and the fake, and to know that that difference is only revealed at the time of the harvest, at the end of the age. The harvest is often used as a picture in the scriptures, the time when the final reaping of both good and bad takes place. 
And Jesus warns us that it's only at the harvest that the truth will be revealed about each one of us. Until then, we are the the workers who need to nurture that field to be the ones who also are able to do the things that are needed so that that crop may grow and be strong. That we are the ones who need to share God's grace with our neighbors and others. Something that they don't have, perhaps, right now in their own lives. And we know that our roots are going to be intertwined with others who don't follow Christ. But we know that as we trust in the expertise of the Master, that he and his angels will take care of the things that are needed in any separation in the end. Jesus demonstrates really how this works. You know, think of how many times he would set himself up in the presence, you know, having dinner with sinners and others, who the Pharisees, you know, they would be the ones who would say, well, those people, they're weeds. <laughs> you know, they need to be moved away. And they would offer, you know, critique of those who would go charging off onto a, a field on a moral crusade as well. And Jesus understood that the harvest is plentiful, but that the workers who do the right thing, well, the ones who follow his example, they're few. The wheat and the weeds grow together until that harvest comes. But in the meantime, we maintain that field, we nurture the wheat, and we offer transforming grace even to the worst of weeds around us. You don't have to worry about eating any of that castle cheese parmesan. Uh, that place filed for bankruptcy. Uh, their plant is closed and uh, it's not going to be reopening. That's because they claim to sell something on the outside that really wasn't happening on the inside. And that takes us pause for ourselves. You know, as, as we leave here and we go forward, you know, do our lives really reflect an authentic relationship with our Lord and Savior? Or are we you know, tending to keep our own weed-like tendencies? Do other people see us as those real Christians? Are we full of Christ within us? Does he really live, you know, as Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, as he says that in Galatians 2. Is that the case for each of us? Or do we tend to keep a lot of religious filler in us that looks good to the faithful people around us, but really is not nutritious? It's not helping satisfy the hunger for a world around us that needs Christ so desperately. It's my prayer that for each of us, including myself, that we always remind ourselves of who we are. Jesus is real. He really died. And he really rose again for us. And we really believe that. I know. How about in our lives? Do we reflect that in such a way that people see that there is real hope for them? Pray about that. And take action in the name of Jesus. Amen.
And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our human understanding, keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is our Lord and Savior. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.